You're listening to Bird Means Business, episode 15. All right, all right, all right. I hope you are having a wonderful day, and I am so grateful that you are taking time out of your day to spend it with me here on the Bird Means Business Podcast. I think this one is going to be a good one today. Okay. I had the thought for this episode in my hotel room just a couple days ago during my total immersion weekend, which you've heard me talk about. I cannot wait to share more with y'all about that, but y'all got so clear on so many things in my business, which was much needed. If you remember, I launched an online course earlier this year on developing a profitable business plan. And I just had the final week with my incredible students who, by the way, are amazing. And I am on the edge of my seat to really see where all these businesses will be at this time next year. Big things popping for sure. Anyway, one of my core students is getting ready to look for commercial space to lease for her business. And I thought, you know, this could be something helpful to share on the podcast. So over the last seven years, I've signed two leases for my gym business here in Houston. For those of you who don't know, it's called The Leak and it is awesome. It's a warehouse gym here. We have our own proprietary pack training format. It's an amazing workout and an even better community. So anyway, that's my first business baby. Um, So I initially, when I was thinking about this episode, I just planned to, you know, share the different aspects of what is going to, what could be included in a commercial lease. But y'all, when I sat down to record this episode, it became so much more. I mean, we're talking LOI and how to work with your attorney and your real estate agent in the process of finding a space. Y'all, I had to delete a whole section of what I planned to include to make it an entirely different episode because this is the thing, y'all. I have lessons for days. I have made so many mistakes and have had so much experience over the last seven years. And instead of y'all finding out all of this by trial and error, I want you to just learn from me, you know? Here it is, take what works, leave what doesn't, but no matter what, you're gonna save time, a lot of time and money and stress by just being like, okay, let me just go with this this roadmap. So that makes me just super duper happy to be able to kind of give you that gift as you're embarking upon your entrepreneurial journey. And honestly, that's why I started this business in the first place. So cheers to you learning all the things around how to navigate your next lease process. Okay, so this episode is jam-packed, and y'all know whenever it is, I like to give you a checklist to accompany the, the podcast episode so that just in case you're driving or doing your hair or washing the dishes, you can just go to birdwilliamsconsulting.com slash podcast slash 15 to download my free commercial lease agreement checklist. So this is going to include a list of what we're discussing here, so you don't really have to try and remember everything right now if you can't take notes. So if you're at this stage in your business where you're getting ready to sign a lease agreement, I am so excited for you. It's huge. And you're making a big first step toward making your dream a reality. And you know what? I know it's scary. I know. But I'm proud of you for taking the next step. And I am so happy and honored to navigate this with you. So If you're on the other side and you're like, wait, I'm not quite ready to sign a lease today, right now, but I know that I'm going to have to down the road. What I'm going to do is share with you my process. So just take notes and then you'll be super duper prepared when the time comes. I know in the past I've said that I don't have an attorney that I would refer 
to you guys. And if you listen to episode two in the very beginning, it's Secure Your Money Team. It was one of the more popular episodes. It's where I talk about the importance of having an attorney and an accountant. Um, I said in that episode, like, hey, I don't have an, an attorney that I'm, I'm comfortable referring you to. And that's because I was kind of in between attorneys. And in the interim, I was working with my dear friend, Vince Harding. Um, and I kind of got the clear from him to go ahead and like share him and share his information so that if you want to work with him, you can. So if you go to birdwilliamsconsulting.com slash Harding, that's H-A-R-D-I-N-G, you'll be able to get all of his contact information. And not only is he an amazing attorney, but he's also an amazing real estate agent. He helped us sell our old house and buy the one we're in right now. He's legit. And I am so honored and grateful to work with him. So as I talk through all of this, I'm gonna be sharing really my experience with working with Vince. All right, I don't have a listener shout out this week. But if you want to leave a review on iTunes, that would be amazing. I would love that. And it would also help more people learn about Bird Means Business too. So yeah, I'd appreciate it. Alrighty, now for the episode. First things first, there are two things that I want to point out before we dive in. Number one, I am not a lawyer. (laughs) I'll say that again. I'm not a lawyer and this is not legal advice. It is just from the perspective of an entrepreneur. And I'm showing you how this could work so that whenever it's time for you to walk down this path, you feel a little bit more confident moving forward. But side note, on a funny note, I was almost an attorney. (laughs) So I had the amazing experience of studying abroad when I was in college. In 2008, I lived in Milan, Italy, and it was the best. And when I was there, I took this amazing comparative business law class. And I loved it. I did so well in the class. I think of all of my classes in the history of being in college, this was my best grade. It was like over 100 because I did the bonus work and it was just, I was so into it. And at the end of the semester, the professor told me, hey, whenever you get ready to apply for law school, I would love to write your letter of recommendation. And I was like, oh no, I'm not, I'm not applying to law school. And she's like, what? You have to apply. Like you have to change your mind. You have to do this. And I was like, oh wow. And she was like, you're just so good at it. You have a knack for it, whatever. So I say all that to say <laughs> that I really get into this sort of thing. So some of you might be listening to this. Like, why is she so excited about talking about a lease agreement? It's because I kind of just have a knack for it. Um, I ended up going back and telling my boyfriend, who's now my husband, about what my professor said. And I was like, should I be a lawyer? And he was like, no. (laughs) And I'm glad he said that because my life would have taken a very different turn. And here we are. Okay, so basically, I want you to run all of this that I'm saying by a lawyer because I'm not a lawyer. Okay, so now that we have that out of the way, number two, I really believe this, guys. Any document you ever sign for your business, you need to fully understand as the business owner. So if you have a partner in your business, I mean that at least one of you need to understand it. But regardless of if you hire an attorney or not to review your documents, which obviously I totally advise that you have an attorney review your documents, but even if you have one that does review your documents, one of you needs to understand what you're agreeing to. So for example, I recently sent my attorney, Vince, a document and I thought it said X, Y, and Z. But after he read it, I found out there was a lot more in there that I didn't really see when I read it because I'm not a trained attorney. But there shouldn't be a word of the document that you can't understand or explain or make sense of. You know what I mean? 
Because even if your attorney has like reviewed it and checked it off and said, this is good to go, you need to understand for yourself because let's say your attorney sees these documents all the time and they might think, oh, that section or language is just standard, you know, no big deal. But if you were to read it or if you were to know what it meant, you'd be like, what? What? I'm agreeing to what? So even if you don't end up actually changing that language, you need to know what the language means because after this process is done, it will be you, the business owner, who's actually working in the space. And it'll be you, the business owner, who is liable if you break the contract in any way. So let me give you a little example. If you don't know that in your lease agreement, you need to get approval for repairs over $100, let's say, for example, and then someone comes and puts a hole in your wall because their foot went through the wall during a sled training drill, yeah, that may or may not have happened, and it costs you $150 to have a handyman come out and repair it. So now you've breached the contract by having, you know, repairing this wall and not getting approval. And so years down the road, when you're looking to get your security deposit back and the landlord finds out that you, you know, repaired something without their approval, you're going to be like, oh, so again, even if the attorney signs off on it, you need to know what you're agreeing to. And that needs to be super duper clear. Okay, so first I'm going to talk about how I work with Vince, my attorney. Then I'm going to talk about how like the overall process would look if you're looking to get into a space. And then we're going to dive really deep into highlighting pieces of an actual lease agreement so that you can kind of know, have a sense of what to expect ahead of time. Okay, so first, this is how I work with my attorney for any legal document, including a lease agreement. This is how it works. First, I'm going to receive a contract or a legal document from a third party, okay? Whoever that might be. Then this is what I do. I open up the document and I also open up my email. And as I read through the document, anytime I come across something that I don't understand, I will add it to the email. Like I'll go ahead and just put it in the email so I don't have to go back and remember what it, what it was. So if it's something that I don't understand or if it's something that I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to work, it's a deal breaker. Or if it's something like, wow, they didn't include this really important piece of something that's important to me. Um, or like, I'm not really sure if this is standard language, but I don't love it. So let's discuss if it's something that has to stay in, you know, I'm basically like gathering my notes and comments and thoughts around this agreement. And I do this for two reasons. One, I want to know what's in the document and I really want to know firsthand what's in there. And two, if you just send it straight away without having looked at it, then your attorney is kind of just reading through this document without making the process, I guess, a little bit more efficient. You know, attorneys also charge by the hour. So what I like to do is bring my insights to the surface in the email. Like, hey, these are my 10 points or comments or suggestions or whatever it might be. These are the th 10 things that kind of stick out to me. And then he can kind of read that email and kind of digest that as he's looking at the contract later. You might be thinking, okay, Ashley, this is freaking me out. I don't want to have to review <laughs> a legal document. Like, I don't want to have to know all the things and, and write an email with all my comments. If that's you, that is okay. Hire a good attorney and they will take care of you. Although I do still believe that you need to know what's in the document. It's just me. I'm just weird and I just love this part. I love contracts. But Terry, who is my husband and business partner, he has never reviewed any of the legal documents. Because he, again, he knows that I'm doing that. So he knows that someone who has like 
you know, skin in the game in the business, his business partner is taking care of that. It's not his core competency. He does things in the business that's not my core competency that I don't review. So I'm just kind of giving you a different way to look at it as an, an as a suggestion, but don't think that you have to be tied to reading everything and doing it this way. At the very least, if you don't want to have to read any legal documents, send it to your attorney. Know that he's a good attorney that fully understands your business and still like at least glance through the document and and think if there's any questions or things that you don't understand or terms or language or any of that. Okay. So my attorney now has my email with my questions and considerations and comments and he has a document and he reads through it himself. So this is why I love Vince. He's so good. Like we'll we'll either he'll either email me back or we'll talk through my issues. But he also always comes back with things that he like points out that I didn't see. Like he'll be like, yep, I see your point. I understand this and that. But then he's like, there's also this and this and this and this. And every time I'm like, whoa, I didn't even read that that way or I didn't even know. And another thing I love about working with Vince is that he almost always is wanting to be more aggressive than me. And y'all, I'm already aggressive when it comes to changes in the document and that sort of thing and negotiating. And that's what you want in an attorney. You want someone who's really looking out for you. So I can't tell you how many times he said, um, this is written completely in their favor, or this is putting all of the liability on you and none on them. And y'all, this is why I'm so glad I get to work with him because as you know, a regular person, I just don't see that. I don't see that in the language, but he does. And I can tell you, not all attorneys do that. I respectfully have worked with attorneys who literally, literally y'all, when we sit down and talk about um, our changes, like I have more than them. And the attorney's like, oh, wow, that's a good point. Like, I didn't even think of that. And I'm like, no, this is not good. <laughs> so don't be in that situation. Okay. Um. Anyway, so then once we've kind of agreed on our comments that we're going to go back to that third party person with, I'll always put them by my other business partner, Terry. I'll say, Hey, this is kind of where we are with the contract. He's like, cool. And then we basically respond to the third party with the issues we have in the contract. And that's usually been me, but there are also situations where maybe the attorney will do this themselves. It really just depends. And then once they get our comments, the third party will then, you know, review it and then issue us their, their response basically. And you kind of just go back and forth in a negotiation process until you agree. Okay. So that's how I work with my attorney, Vince. And I will also just emphasize that there are times where maybe the attorneys will just talk to each other to kind of speed things up. Or let's say that there's something that we just can't get past in the agreement it's like, let me, you know, would you mind me just talking directly to your attorney? I've had that question asked before and maybe all, all of us will get on a call or something like that. Um, but that, of course, in that situation, everything would be disclosed. Okay, so now that we've kind of talked about what it looks like to work with an attorney, what that engagement is like, now I'm going to walk you down the path of what it would be like to sign a lease. Um, so I'm going to use a juice bar as an example. So What's going to happen is you're going to go out and you're going to be looking for a place for your juice bar. You're going to look at a few places with a real estate agent. So you want to launch this juice bar by X date. And depending on the market in which you live, it could move very quick. You know, commercial real estate could move quick or it could not move quick. It just depends on the building. It depends on the time. It depends on the market. It depends on a lot of things. But basically, you're going to get with a real estate agent. Cool thing about Vince is that he's also a real estate agent and he's legit and he's been doing it for a long time. And like I said, he's been great working with us. Anyway, 
you're going to you're going to tell the real estate agent what you're looking for. Hey, I am looking for something that's super tiny because I want to limit my o- overhead, something like maybe like a uh, Tiff Streets size, if you know what Tiff Streets is, you know, just something super, super small. I might need some storage. I might need a kitchen space or prep area or whatever it is. You're going to tell your, your uh, real estate agent kind of what you're looking for. And they're going to go and figure out a few places that, that could work. And you're going to start going through this process of finding your place. Now I will say this, I'm a big proponent of before you're ready and I'm doing like air quotes ready because are you ever really ready? You know, you just have to kind of do it. But before you're ready, you can just go dream. You can just go book a tour. You can just go look. I mean, you might not want to annoy your real estate agent when, you know, it's way far out in the future. Or you might have a real estate agent who's awesome and is willing to like journey through it with you and go look at places even when you're not ready to sign right now. But my point is, is it's good to just dream. I'll give you an example. So, you know, I'm just going to put it out there. I am dreaming of owning my own office space. (laughs) If you don't know, right now I'm in like my closet in my guest bedroom at my house. And this is where I record my podcast. But I'd love to have an actual podcast space in my own office somewhere. And so I've literally texted Vince like probably a month ago. We've been texting back and forth since with ideas I have for this and things I'm looking for. And soon I'm wanting to go and actually like start looking at places. No, I'm not ready to buy right now, but but I like the idea of just dreaming. And I mean, even thinking about like, I have a note on my phone with like furniture that I want for this space. And Literally right here in the podcast studio next to me are bags from a furniture store. I bought like these little vases that were on sale and pillows. Like go ahead and put it out there. And also what happens when you do this, you start talking to the the other agent, you know, the seller or selling agent or whatever it might be. And you're getting ideas on like, oh, wow, I didn't think about this or, and it gets you excited and it starts to like, have you build momentum and you're like, oh my goodness, I can, I've, it's almost more tangible and you're able to really like touch and feel and see. And then what, whatever was holding you back, you have more motivation to push forward with it. So I say all that to say, dream, go out there and just start looking. Even if you're not ready, it could be fun. Um, but anyway, whenever you are ready to actually sign a lease, you're going to be looking around. You're going to eventually find the place, right? Then your agent is going to be talking with the other agent. So in this scenario, I don't communicate with the other agent. My real, the real estate agents communicate with each other, um, and will eventually get an LOI on the table. So an LOI is a letter of intent. And a letter of intent is exactly what it sounds like. It's a document that states what your intentions are because the idea is that you don't want to start this whole process is this whole process of taking it off the market and starting to make plans if they're going to be deal breakers up front. So you want to kind of get an idea of where you are. Um, so for the LOI, if you're working with a real estate agent, they will have a draft of this LOI. And then you're going to send it to your attorney to review it. Now, in my case, Vince is also my attorney. So that's kind of the same thing. But if your real estate agent is not an attorney, you want to make sure that you have an attorney reviewing it. And your real estate agent will probably say or have in whatever kind of engagement letter you sign with them, like, I'm not an attorney. So just FYI, you want to get an attorney for that piece. Um to make sure that this episode isn't forever long, I'll just say this. A letter of intent is non-binding and 
It includes things like what the offer price is going to be, what the term, the length of the lease will be, um, whether or not there's pre-occupancy. And we'll talk about all of that in a second. But basically, the two parties are agreeing on like where you're at before you really get into the next step. You should also note that it's not cool to go back on any of the terms that you lay out here. So you can't lay out terms of an LOI and then later down the road be like, oh, just kidding. I want it for less. Um, so you want to make sure you stick with what you've agreed to. So the LOI, you're going to do the same negotiation process that I described earlier. And once you confirm that you're on the same page, you're going to, you're going to then sign the LOI. Then there's going to be a diligence period where the property is listed as under contract and where you and the landlord can kind of ask questions and, and negotiate the actual lease agreement. So this is the time that you have to negotiate the actual lease agreement, the, what is actually binding. Because remember, the LOI is non-binding, usually. Also, the LOI usually expires in 30 days. Again, all of these things can change, but that's kind of an idea. So so by this point in the process, when you're negotiating the lease agreement, you want to already kind of know things like, is flooding typical in this in this area? You know, why did the last tenant leave? I always love asking that question. You know, how long has it been vacant? Is there any crime in the area? And then also like, are there any similar businesses nearby? And that's the kind of thing you're going to do your own research to find out because you don't want to be like right next to another juice bar if you can avoid it. Okay, so that's basically the process of like getting to a lease agreement, right? Now I'm gonna like highlight things from a lease agreement. Obviously there's so many things in a lease agreement, but I'm gonna just highlight things. And it's it, I'm saying highlight, but there's literally 21 things right here. So I'm gonna make it as quick as possible. <laughs> First in a lease agreement, you're gonna have either landlord and tenant or lessor and lessee. That's kind of how they're gonna talk about you and the landlord, right? Um, that's just the typical language. Everyone's contact information will be up at the top. So we know who are we supposed to send you know, our check to? Who are we supposed to send notices to? Also, it's going to talk about the actual square footage of the building and kind of context around that. You're going to have information on the term of the lease and also pre-occupancy information. So the term is just the time frame of the lease. Um, it can be around like five years. You can negotiate maybe three years or one year, but that gets tough because if you think about it from a landlord perspective, they'd love to, you know, basically commit you to much longer because they don't have to worry about re-going through this whole process with a new tenant and you're kind of bound to the, the to these terms for longer. So you can negotiate. It would basically be more costly. They would probably bring the cost up if you want to do a shorter lease. But th yeah, that's what the term is. So next is gonna be the pre-occupancy information. So I love this one. You can actually negotiate and say, hey, I plan on opening the doors of my business on December 1st, 2020. But you know what? I'm gonna need to make some modifications to this space before I can actually open up for business. So could I have a month or two or three without paying rent? Yes, that would be great, right? That's something I just didn't know. I mean, we we did that for both of our leases, but again, it was just one of those exciting things <laughs> I discovered when I went through our, my process. It might not be exciting for everyone else, but it is what it is. Okay. Another thing about that with the modifications, you want to make sure that in the LOI, you lay out what modifications you plan on making to the space. Because if you need to make a whole lot of modifications that the landlord's not going to be okay with, they need to know that upfront. Because if that's going to be a deal breaker, you don't want to keep wasting your time. The next thing in the lease would be, um, could be something about accepting the business as is. So this is a good one. Okay, 
please, please, please understand this before you start. You will need to get an occupancy permit or some kind of permit for the space. And it would be prudent of you to know what current permits exist on the building, if any, before you sign a lease agreement so that you can know how simple or how costly potentially that change of use would be. So honestly, if you don't get anything else from this whole episode, please get this one. It's basically as simple as you going to the city's jurisdiction, jurisdiction wherever you are and saying, hi, I'm looking to lease this building at this address and I plan on using it for this type of business. What would be required to switch over you know, the permitting? What permitting will I need to make that happen? Because there are there could be buildings that would be much more expensive and buildings that would be less expensive. So in some industries or for some businesses, this is all a much simpler process. It's not all of that. But in other industries, it's much more tough. So just that's just something to know. Talk with your real estate agent about it. Talk with your uh, attorney about it and just see if that's something you want to kind of look, look into before you <laughs> before you sign the lease. Also, another thing is going to the lease will outline will be the rent, obviously. So your you know monthly rent, but also any prepaid rent requirement. There'll also be information on a security deposit amount and also when it would be returned to you and the criteria for getting it returned to you. So that's a big a big one, right? You want to make sure that you know what do I need to make sure happens to get my security deposit back because that can be a whole month's rent. Then there's going to be information about what happens if you are like don't make your rental payment and there's a late charge or a return check. There also could be a section on permitted use and provisions. So this is basically saying, you can't tell me you are going to have a hair salon and then start like having a restaurant in the back because those are two wildly different industries. However, if you have a chiropractic office and you plan on having a physical therapist there, okay, that's related. That's okay. So it basically outlines what they are open for you doing in the in the space. And you could also negotiate that with the, with the landlord. You can negotiate everything. <laughs> Um, and then there could be something around utilities, property tax, insurance. So there are a lot of details there, but two things to point out. One, the lease will lay out the amount of general liability insurance coverage that's required. But before signing your lease, check with your insurance agent. Now we're talking about your insurance agent to see if what the, the lease requires is standard. Because we were once in a situation where we signed the lease, but then my insurance agent, when I sent him the, the section on the insurance part and what we needed coverage for, he couldn't find coverage anywhere because it was like way beyond the standard amount and like none of the insurance companies were open to covering it. And so we went back to the landlord and they were cool with it. I guess they were just trying to super duper protect themselves, but it wasn't really practical. So just make sure you know before going into a situation like that, what like that it's even you know actually realistic. Number two is additional insured. So this is in there because if someone tries to sue your business, let's say they, they come to your juice bar and they get sick from one of the juices and they try to sue you, they're going to try to come after your business, but they're also going to come after the building. So the landlord is going to, they're going to come after everything they can. Um, the landlord with this additional insured provision is going to, could require you to list them as additional insured on your insurance policy, which basically just provides additional coverage for them. This usually doesn't cost you any more to do with your insurance. Okay, next is going to be repairs. So this will lay out what repairs will the landlord be responsible for and what will the tenant be responsible for. So y'all, it broke my heart a few years ago when our AC went out in the summer 
And I went to call the landlord, but first I was like, let me just check the lease agreement because I couldn't remember. And y'all, it was on us to repair the AC unit, which if you don't know, is a really costly expense. Thankfully, it turned out to be something that was not uh, super expensive, but it was. it's good to know that you're going to be required to, to re repair the AC unit, for example, if it goes out. Next is entry and inspection. So this is basically saying when the landlord is allowed to be, to come into the building to just be in there or to inspect something. Like let's say you told them that there was like some issue and they wanted to come see it, or maybe they just wanted to inspect something randomly in the business. This outlines when they can and can't be in there. So we've never had a landlord want to, you know, ever enter the building um, for any reason, except for our first location. Our landlord was awesome and he loved to work out and he loved the league. So he was like a regular, it was awesome. So he was always up in there, but it was super cool. But basically, it's good for you to know when they're allowed to come in and you can negotiate and say not during business hours or not during whatever time that you don't want them to be in there. Next is going to be default and remedies. So this is a big one. This is going to state what happens if you or the landlord, but mainly you, if you default on the agreement and then what remedies each party can take, what they can do because you've defaulted. So this is super duper important and you want to make sure that you talk with your attorney about this. There's going to be information on what happens if you go bankrupt, what happens if the business goes bankrupt, or what happens if you get to the end of your lease and you want to sublet it, what happens there? What happens for alterations and improvements? So not a repair, but let's say two years into the lease, you want to add on a structure somewhere or do something in the backyard or whatever it might be, the back area. This section will outline that. There's also could be a section on there. There could also be a section on holding over. So this is basically going to explain what happens if you stay beyond the, the lease expiration date and there isn't another lease yet in place. So what would the rent be and how long is this holding over period? Um, so in that case, you would want to you would want to renegotiate a lease because it's it's typical that your rent is going to skyrocket if you are basically in the space because you want to continue operating your business there, but you haven't actually negotiated a, another lease with them. So you're going to be thoughtful, you know, well in advance of your lease expiration of whether or not you want to stay or whatever it might be. Then there's your CAM, your common area maintenance expenses, and these are shared expenses that. All of the people, all of the businesses in the business park or the strip center, for example, will share. And this is important because it's an additional cost. Next, there's signage. What what signage, you know, are they promising for you as a tenant? Whether it's your, you know, a picture of your logo or your name, the signage on your building. And also, you know how the businesses have like the little billboard thing with all the different businesses listed. Yeah, it's going to outline that. Also exclusivity, it's basically saying they can't rent spaces to other similar businesses within a certain radius. And then you have your signatures. Whew, okay. Again, this is not everything that's gonna be in a lease. There's a lot more and some leases might not include some of this stuff, but this is just what I wanted to highlight as things that I wanted you to think about. So there's another consideration that I always like to tell new business owners, which is that it is likely that you're gonna have to personally guarantee something like this, especially if um, you have no historical financials. And when I say historical financials, I mean, you've never had a juice bar and this is your first one and you have you know no experience or nothing to show the bank that you've made money before. They're gonna be like, this is super risky. 
I don't think I could like sue your business or get money from your the cash of your business. So if, if something went bad and you weren't able to, to fulfill your obligations, so I'm going to just take the money from you personally. And that could be you um, or it could be someone else. They might require like someone with more money to, to guarantee it. Um, so there's that to consider. The, I could, this episode would go on so long if I try to talk about all this stuff. So I'm going to include all the information around a personal guarantee in the freebie. So I mentioned the, the freebie earlier, the checklist for the lease considerations. You can find that if you go to the episode description or the show notes below, you can just click a link there to get this freebie. You could also go to birdwilliamsconsulting.com slash podcast slash 15, and there's a link for it there as well. Okay, so I'm sure you've heard this phrase, everything is negotiable. I wholeheartedly agree with that, especially here, y'all. You'd be surprised at how much we've negotiated out of and into contracts. So this is the takeaway. You do not get a contract and say, oh, okay, I guess I just signed it. It's a, I mean, this is a big, bad real estate group and I'm, they do this all the time or this is a huge publisher or this brand has given me this incredible opportunity. I just have to accept the terms. No, ma'am. You want to, one, know what the terms are, and two, negotiate out and in what protects you better. An attorney will help you do this. The worst thing that they could do is just say no. And then you have a choice of, okay, they said no to my terms. I'm going to either choose to proceed and be okay with it or just suck it up, or I'll say no. I I don't agree. And you never know saying no might have them thinking twice. Okay, like I mentioned, the checklist for this episode is at birdwilliamsconsulting.com slash podcast slash 15. So whether you're ready to negotiate a lease agreement right now, or if you will in the future, you can come back to this checklist and just feel a little bit more sane and prepared. Again, I just want to simplify this process for you so you don't have to have the headache of it. All right, y'all. Well, I can't say, honestly, how much I appreciate you for following Burnt Means Business, for just hanging out and listening to me talk. Um, I know so many of you have shared how much you've learned, and I can honestly say that makes my heart just leap. It just makes, it's like, it makes me so happy to know, even if it just helped one person. So if you want to leave a review here on iTunes and just say what it's meant to you or how it's helped you or whatever, that would be awesome. Also, please tell other entrepreneurs about Bird Means Business, all right? Well, I hope you make it a good one, and I will talk to you next week. 